0: Let's turn to God's word this morning. First Peter chapter two verse nine is our theme verse this year for our our our, uh, our theme that we're going to be walking through. It says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession." That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We have been called and chosen to bring the very presence of God into the lives of the people around us. Spiritual people bringing a spiritual presence that they may encounter Jesus and be saved and transformed. Amen. Last week we launched our new series. Our theme this year is sacred. Exploring what it means to be a spiritual presence in our world. Understanding that God has called and placed us here. Saved us by His grace and His power. Called us out of that darkness into His light to show them who God is. To share with them the hope Found in Jesus and the love He wants us to know that we were created for to help them see who they are. Children of God, created by and loved by Him. It's a huge calling, it's an exciting mission. What God is calling us to matters, it's important, it's exciting. And it's more than a little bit scary, too, because as we understand the power and the impact that we can have in every interaction, every conversation, every place we go and every person we encounter, it's going to seem more than a little overwhelming, intimidating, daunting. But we have to understand because it's true. We are a spiritual presence in every moment with every person, with our spouse, with our children, with our friends and coworkers, and even strangers, good and bad. The way we live, the way we act, the way we treat people has a real impact. More than we know, deeper than we know, oftentimes more than we want, if we're honest. Because we're not always ready to be a good example of the love and presence of God to others. But it's there. Every word, every action, every moment we impact the world around us, the people around us. And we need to see that. To see how God is calling us to live. We are spiritual people surrounded by spiritual people. And God gave us His Spirit to bring His presence there. But how do we do that? That was the question we ended with last week. This is all fun and exciting and big and serious, but what does it mean? What does it mean to be a spiritual presence? What does that look like? What do we do? Because it's all well and good to use this kind of language that can make us feel special and powerful and important, while at the same time kind of meaning nothing. Just taking ourselves way too seriously and winding up just trying harder to be spiritual at people. To be or to bring that something on our own because that's our natural instinct. Even as followers of Jesus, we still want to be enough. We want to be important and special. We want to do what God does. The problem we've had from the very beginning. A number of years ago, a documentary came out. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I've talked to a few people, nobody's heard of this thing. It was called Kumare. An American filmmaker named Vikram Gandhi wanted to parody the New Age movement in the United States. And so he came up with this idea to pose as an Indian guru. Pretending to be a spiritual leader. He had no religious or spiritual training of any kind. He made up this persona, this character, Sri Kumare, a mysterious guru from the East. And he went to California. And he made up a set of philosophies and teachings to see if he could build a following and convince people that he had some mystical powers. He had been filming a real documentary, this was also real, but he had been filming another documentary about yogis and their followers and he had become disillusioned with their teaching and practices and wanted to see if he could create out his own following out of complete fantasy, complete nonsense. And already we can kind of see where this is going. This seems like a simple, straightforward parody of and undermining of new age philosophy philosophy trying to show how empty it is. But what I found so incredibly fascinating was that it worked. And to a certain extent, of course it did. Some people, A, just want to be convinced. But it worked as well in ways that Kumare didn't anticipate. What he didn't see, what he didn't understand, what he didn't even believe, was that there is a spiritual reality that we inhabit. That the spiritual world is real and powerful. And what he experienced, what these people experienced with him was real. It was based on nonsense that he made up, but we are hardwired to experience God's presence. And even when we miss the mark, God's presence is still real. We can experience that individually and especially together in, in connection and relationship, when we play with spiritual things, even thinking it's nothing, we are going to slam up against the reality that God is, even if we don't want Him to be. So what winds up happening is the project starts to spin out of control on Vikram. He's not just fooling, gullible people. They are experiencing genuine connection and spiritual reality and he suddenly has no idea what to do with all of this and he gets lost in it and he starts feeling trapped these people mean something to him and they he means something to them and as a follower of Jesus you watch this happening and you're thinking well of course you're playing with real things here And so in the end, he pulls the plug and he reveals that this was all made. He gathers them all together in this conference center and he does the big reveal that this was all made up and he's not real, he's not who he said he was. And some people were hurt very deeply and they storm out of the room. But others were still very thankful to him for the experiences that they had with him. But in the end, for all the real aspect of what he experienced, his conclusion that he left his followers with, after all the things he had walked through with them, the powerful and real experiences they had had, his conclusion was exactly what you would predict, and exactly the wrong one. Ultimately, he says, the truth was inside you all along. You didn't need me. Just follow your own heart and find truth there. And that's always the conclusion. It's exactly the trap, though, that can be found in this journey that we're on as well. To try to just be more spiritual in ourselves. To try to be better and and do more. And that's the exact opposite of everything we need to do. Because the truth is not found in us. Our hearts are not the answer. Our heart is the problem. As scripture tells us over and over again. Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Isaiah 64, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Romans 7, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. We are fallen. And the answer is not in us, it is in God. And if God is calling us to be a spiritual presence in the lives of people around us, then it is only in Him that we will find the strength to do that. The fruit of the kingdom that He will bring out in us by the power of His Spirit. And so that's how we're going to understand this. That's where we will find the strength to bring the presence of God, the hope of the gospel, into the lives of the people around us as living as people of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, transformed by the Spirit, and then bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me this morning to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read this passage together. Explore the power of the fruit of the Spirit together. And set us on this course of understanding what God is calling us into. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love that verse. It's so encouraging and challenging at the same time. It's already done, so just do it. You've been given the Spirit of God, so keep up. But this is the roadmap. This is the plan. This is how we do this, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about us being amazing at people. We are not enough. We are not good enough. They need more than we are, than we can be, but God is enough, and His Spirit is. Is enough, and as we live by his spirit, he will be enough. So, we need to understand and embrace these things to live the fruit of the spirit, being transformed by it and sharing it with the people in our lives. And the first fruit that he lists here is love. The love of God given to us to be shared with others. Love is everything. It's the very nature of God and it's the foundation of all these other fruit. All these other things. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God doesn't know what it is. He doesn't tell us about it. He is love in His very being. Go read that whole passage in 1 John 4. Memorize it because it's the source and foundation of our understanding of the nature of God. God is love and He desires us to know His love. John continues, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Do we hear that? His love is made complete in us that's how much we mean to him that's how much this matters that's what he created us to be to know that's how important we are how important how valuable every person around you is to him the very love of God is made complete in them in us as we love one another This is a huge idea. In so many ways, it's beyond what we can understand, what we can even imagine, because we're so stuck in this world. The worries and fears and insecurities that we have here. Go to work, pay the mortgage, finish that assignment. That person was unkind or even hurtful to me. How am I going to afford that? Do they really love me? Maybe if I buy that, I'll feel better. All the worries and stresses... That hold us here, distract us, that turn us in toward ourselves, that make us selfish and fearful when God has promised us that He will take care of us. That if we trust Him and submit to Him, He will pour out so much blessing that we won't even know what to do with it. He is so generous. And He asks us to share what He has given to us. His presence. Instead of hiding and hoarding His love away, God is love and we can only know His love as we share it. Because love has to be shared to be known. what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the most famous passages in Scripture. It's been read at every wedding ever. Used to challenge a bride and a groom to understand the commitment they're making, that love is far more than a feeling. It's a choice and a difficult one. But reading it at every wedding ever has taken that passage and made it about Marriage, and that's a very unhelpful and dangerous thing for us to do because, yes, of course, we should treat our spouse like that, but that's not all Paul was talking about. 1 Corinthians 13, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, All of our ministry, all of our passion, all of our desire to serve God, to evangelize, to give, to preach, to serve and sacrifice, to see people change, is nothing without love. And so, what is love? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Easy to read about your spouse at your wedding, but we are called to love God, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. Is our love self seeking? Do we keep a record of wrongs? Are we proud? Are we patient and kind with our enemies, the people in life that we struggle with the most? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, Always perseveres. Love never fails. Is that what your love looks like? Is that what our love looks like? Is that what the people in your life experience when they are with you? It's easy to love God like that. It's even usually pretty easy to love our spouse like that. It's usually not too hard to love our kids like that. Patient and kind, not self-seeking, forgiving. But we're not called to love the people we like like that. We're called to love everyone. Like that, every person created by God that He places in your path, however wonderful or annoying they may be, to share that love with them, His love with them. Like that, bringing His presence, spiritual presence into their life with love. Our world has no idea what love is. They confuse it with all kinds of things. They confuse sex with love, using and abusing people to get a feeling they call love, filling their lives with things they've bought or achieved to make themselves worthy of being loved. Our world is looking for love everywhere, trying to find it in themselves, in their own heart looking everywhere except the one place it can truly be found. God is love. And He wants to share His love with us, with them, with everyone. And He's inviting us to be a part of that. So that we can understand and experience the completeness of His love as we share it with others. We can't do it on our own. It doesn't come from us. We don't have to be enough because He is. And He will never fail. He will always be enough. So I want you to pray this week. We talked about prayer all summer long. You've got that 10 minutes built into your life every day, right? (laughs) Sure. But I want you to pray this week, today. Today. Who is God calling you to love? It is everyone, but let's start with one. Let's let it grow. And trust that He will give you the love to share with that person. That we might show them patience and kindness. That we can forgive. That we can seek their good, their best, not our own. That we can love them like God does. Let Him give you a name, a face. Start with that one person. Share God's love with them. And let Him build His love in you that as it grows, you will just come out more and more with everyone we meet. When they meet you, they will know the love of God is there. That you will be a spiritual presence bringing the presence of God, His love, into their life. I can't wait to see what that will look like. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, you are inviting us into something so far beyond what we can do. It's so hard for us to even understand because our hearts are fallen. We are broken and to understand what love is has been so twisted within us. So filled with fear and selfishness. Love has been transformed into all of these horrible selfish things. And God, we need to know you. We need your love. We need what you are. And so, God, we come to your word this morning. We invite your spirit, God, to show us your love. Fill us with your love that we can receive it and know it and then share it. This morning, God, I pray over us, God, that you will give us that name, that face, that person in our lives that needs to know your love, that needs to experience your love. God, we pray for the boldness and the confidence to bring your presence into their lives. Maybe it's praying over them. Maybe it's speaking the gospel over them. Maybe it's just being kind when we haven't been. Father God, we pray your forgiveness for the times that we have failed to share your love when we have chosen selfishness and fear. Life isn't fair and people are unfair to us, but God, you are enough and you give us enough that we can forgive and bring your hope and light into their lives. And God, we pray for the strength to do that. We thank you that we can walk together and be encouraged together, that we can support each other as we struggle through this together. We thank you for your spirit. And we invite you to speak and move. In Jesus' name, amen.